Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Josh Duggar? So first I'll look at the background in this case. I'll move to the timeline of the alleged crimes, then offer my analysis. Josh Duggar was born in Arkansas on May 3, 1988. His father's name is James Robert, although he is often referred to as Jim Bob. Josh's mother is named Michelle. Josh was the first of 19 children. He was raised in a conservative Christian environment. His entire education was received through homeschooling. He was 16 when he earned his GED. Josh would marry a woman named Anna Keller in September of 2008. At the time of making this video, they have six children and they are expecting a seventh. In 2005, Josh started appearing on shows with his family. So people were paying attention to the family because of its size. In 2008, Josh, his parents, and his siblings were featured on a television show titled 19 Kids and Counting, and then later on another series titled Counting On, which was a spin-off of that first show. People were interested in the family for a variety of reasons, but a major part seems to have been the sheer quantity of children that they had, as I indicated. I think another important part for a lot of people was the family's political attitudes. Jim Bob was very active in conservative politics. He was in the Arkansas House of Representatives. Josh Duggar also became active in politics for about two years. He worked for the lobbying arm of the Family Research Council. This is a fundamentalist, Protestant, activist group. Josh Duggar described his family as the epitome of conservative values. A number of major life events involving family members are captured across the two television series. For example, Josh marrying Anna Keller, we also see a number of minor activities captured in the series, like cooking and doing laundry. The storylines of these shows are really all the same. Oh, look, somebody's thinking about getting married. Oh, look, somebody got married. Oh, wow, they had children. Who could have seen that coming? Where did that idea even come from? There's really nothing educational about the shows, and I think there should be, considering that TLC was originally called The Learning Channel. 
The two series are a lot like these family channels that we see on YouTube. They're not talking about anything interesting. They're literally just turning on a camera and recording the daily activities of their lives. So it's like, oh, look at me. I'm technically alive. When did that become a skill? Even though I'm not a fan, these shows are exceedingly popular. Before moving to the timeline of the crime, let's hear a word from the sponsor of today's video, Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Among other products like podcasts, they have an incredible selection of audiobook titles from genres like science fiction, comedy, and two that I have a particular affinity for, true crime and military history. For example, from true crime, when preparing for my video on the Golden State Killer, I listened to the title, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, an excellent audiobook about Joseph D'Angelo. From military history, I listened to titles like Band of Brothers, an amazing story of courage and combat effectiveness. Sometimes with my vision problems, reading printed books can be challenging. It's convenient to be able to find any audiobook I want on Audible. I can download whatever I need when I have access to the internet and listen to the titles offline when I have the time. Considering how I spend a lot of time producing videos, Audible is convenient because I can listen to the titles related to topics I'm covering in videos when I'm doing something like walking. I'm making the best use of my time. Visit audible.com slash drgrande or text drgrande to 500-500 to get started with your free trial. This takes us to May 21, 2015. A magazine reported that Josh Duggar was allegedly involved in criminal activity when he was 14 years old and 15 years old, based on a police report from 2006. Here's what was reported. Josh Duggar allegedly molested five girls who were underage. Four of them were his siblings. One was a babysitter. These offenses occurred in 2002 and 2003. It appears as though Jim Bob had found out about the offenses in 2002. Instead of immediately contacting the authorities, Jim Bob talked to the elders at his church. They made the decision to send Josh Duggar to a program that consisted of hard physical work and counseling. It's not clear what type of program Josh went into or if he attended any program. Michelle once implied that Josh spent those three months with a family friend who remodeled a house. That friend was not a mental health counselor. Whatever program Josh may or may not have attended, when he returned home in July of 2003, Jim Bob had Josh meet with a friend of the family named James Hutchins. Hutchins was an Arkansas State Trooper. This was the first report about Josh's behavior to any type of law enforcement. This was over a year after Jim Bob found out. Jim Bob would later say that Josh confessed to Hutchins, then apologized. Hutchins gave Josh a very stern talk. Now later we see that Hutchins said that he was only told about one incident. If he had known about the extent of Josh's behavior, he would have done more. Hutchins was eventually sentenced to 56 years in prison on unrelated charges of child pornography, which I will refer to as CP, moving forward in the video. At this point in the narrative, it's 2003. Nothing happens regarding Josh Duggar for several years. In December of 2006, the family was scheduled to appear on The Oprah Winfrey Show, but an anonymous email came into the studio regarding Josh's alleged criminal behavior. 
The producers contacted the authorities in Arkansas. An investigation was launched. The police interviewed Josh Duggar's parents and other members of the family. They described his behavior. Here's where the police ran into a technicality. The way the statute of limitations in Arkansas works for these offenses is that they have to be filed within three years of being reported to a police officer. When Jim Bob talked to Hutchins, that started the counter. That counted as a report. So the clock started. No charges could be filed. So the police investigated, but they couldn't do anything. So just to summarize a bit here, Josh Duggar committed offenses in 2002 and 2003. A report was made in 2003. It didn't go anywhere because that officer didn't report the offenses. A 2006 investigation did not result in charges because of the statute of limitations. And then the story becomes public in 2015 with that magazine article, as I mentioned. At this point, Josh Duggar resigned from the Family Research Council. He said he was deeply sorry and his behavior was inexcusable. This takes us to August of 2015. Josh Duggar's information comes up as a result of a data breach involving a website called Ashley Madison. This is a website where people can find extramarital affairs. It appears as though Josh Duggar's credit card was used to purchase subscriptions starting in February of 2013 and ending right after the allegations became public in May of 2015. A statement was released by Josh and his parents. Josh admitted he was unfaithful to his wife and that he watched pornography, although that last part came down from the website very quickly. He wrote that he was the biggest hypocrite ever. He was fighting against immorality in our country while hiding his own personal failures. Josh Duggar checked himself into a long-term treatment center in August of 2015. This brings us to April 29, 2021. Josh Duggar is arrested for one count of receiving CP and one count of possessing CP. The next day, he pleaded not guilty. Prosecutors alleged that Josh used the internet to download explicit material in May of 2019. His trial is scheduled to begin in July of 2021. If convicted, he is facing up to 20 years in prison for each count. Now moving to my analysis. I will divide the analysis here into two parts. The initial allegations and, more briefly, the recent allegations. That's one part. And then for the second part, I'll talk about this question. If Joshua is guilty, can people like him be effectively treated? Starting with the initial allegations. The situation that Jim Bob and Michelle were put in was certainly stressful. One could make the argument, and many have on their behalf, that overreacting can cause damage. They may have been concerned that if they called the police, there would be this big criminal investigation. Maybe Josh didn't really do anything serious enough to warrant that. Maybe they were concerned that they would be judged based on his behavior, which I think to some extent has happened. Perhaps they were wondering if it was fair that Josh's behavior could bring down the whole family. The problem is that the alleged offenses were very serious. We know that often victims of these types of crimes go on to have problems down the road, including mental health problems. His parents needed to get law enforcement involved immediately. Not a friend who happened to be a police officer, but someone who would actually make a report. These types of offenses necessitate a response. It would appear that the parents didn't recognize the pervasive nature of these types of behaviors in an offender. The offender doesn't automatically just get better one day. I get the sense that they really wanted the problem 
to be swept under the rug. They had a successful TV show. They promoted an image of being wholesome. Maybe there were concerns over the legal battle or legal hassle that would ensue. They had a lot of incentive to minimize Josh's behavior. They basically found a loophole. Now they can say, well, we did tell a police officer. Technically, they're correct. They actually did report it to a law enforcement officer. The law enforcement officer then made the mistake of not reporting it. I think that sometimes people in these situations rationalize the behavior and separate the crime from the offender, almost like the behavior is random. It may be there. It may not be there. They disconnect it from the person who committed the offenses. In reality, the tendency is with the person. The parents had no reason to believe that those tendencies would magically go away, although I don't know if they really understood much about people who commit those types of offenses. We know, of course, that Josh Duggar said that he was sorry, and he may have been. That doesn't change the drive, the desire. That part remains. There are people who excessively consume alcohol or other drugs, and afterward, they're often sorry, yet they do it again. So being sorry is important, but it's not enough to protect innocent victims. Moving to the more recent allegations, those in 2021, I don't know if Josh Duggar is guilty or not, but if one were to run under the assumption that he may be guilty, what does that mean? Well, I think it means that someone who had every incentive and opportunity to change their behavior chose not to. This brings me to the second part of the analysis. If Josh was guilty, can people like this be effectively treated, like people with pedophilic interests? This topic has been studied in the research. There is no agreement about the effectiveness of treatment or what treatment should even be used. There are theories, but there's not a lot of evidence to support that one particular treatment protocol is incredibly effective. Cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, can be used to increase age-appropriate sexual behavior, reduce sexual desire, increase empathy, and confront denial. The threat of incarceration is actually considered to be one of the more effective techniques that can be used. Although treatments can be successful, the rate that participants reoffend, drop out, or otherwise do not comply with treatment is very high in this population. The relapse rate continues to increase even years after treatment. What factors predict treatment failure? There are several. A lot can go wrong when treating this population. Mental disorder comorbidity is a major factor, especially if one of the comorbid diagnoses is antisocial personality disorder. This is a disorder characterized by repeated criminality, impulsivity, and being irresponsible. Perpetrators who offend against multiple unknown victims outside of the home fail in treatment more often than those who offend against people inside the home. Treatment failure is also predicted by a lack of employment, lack of insight, and a low number of healthy, stable relationships. There is one factor that predicts failure better than any of the others. That is the multiplicity of offense types. This doesn't mean the number of offenses, like the frequency, but rather the number of different types of offenses, like people who offend against both males and females, against both adult and adolescent victims, target victims who are relatives, and those who are non-relatives. Situations like that, how many types are actually present? In summary, treatment can be protective, treatment is good, 
and every offender should get mental health counseling. Like that's a positive response. But pedophilia is a serious chronic disorder. Comprehensive, intensive, long-term, and possibly lifetime treatment is indicated for the majority of this population. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.